linked on enough, uh, I think, to help with both communities that depended so much on uh, on those power industries and help them into converting to new areas. And so I think there's lots of problems on the horizon we might not see today or tomorrow, but in the next few years, it's going to be a real problem. And it's going to be very costly. Ontario, that's what's anchored in their, 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 their energy policies are an absolute disaster. So we hope we learn from that and don't follow that same path. You know, we're probably we won't, but um, we need to find ways to, I think, guarantee that anybody investing in the long-term investment for natural gas will have that guarantee that they'll have, be able to get their rate of return over the period of time. My name is Maureen Hawkins. Um, please excuse the brief preamble. Oh, you can as much as you want. Okay. Um, I heard you use the three big buzzwords, business, entrepreneurship, and technology. And everything is being oriented that way. However, the majority of individuals will not be business, will not own their own business. The majority of individuals will be employees if, in fact, jobs are not automated out from under them. How are we going to train them? And here I bring up, talk about training for technology, etc. Children exposed to music from the womb are better at mathematics. In Portland, Oregon, they passed a, ta a tax to make sure that there were art teachers in every school. The same art, everybody in Portland pays it. They found that truancy dropped. They found that grades in all subjects went up. They found that dropouts decreased. They found that more students went to college or university. It seems to me that we're trying to be too narrow and simply program people as um, robots, and they're not. And secondly, when we started pre-public education, it went to grade eight because that was what the majority of people needed. Then we made it free to grade 12 because more skills were needed by business. Today, it's very difficult for someone to get a decent job without either a college diploma or a university degree. Why shouldn't they be free? And why shouldn't we be expanding instead of teaching people to be cogs in a wheel where they will never be able to do First of all, I, I hope you didn't misunderstand. When I say business, it doesn't mean that business is a replacement for arts and culture or anything to do with music and art. I mean, not that it matters when I was mayor of Edmonton. We, we, we quadrupled or five times more than the arts and culture budget we spent because I deeply believe it's that simple significant part of the quality of life. So when I talk about business, I, I don't mean just summoning business. It has, it is, it's the, Alberta has an entrepreneurial spirit as individuals coming here from Newfoundland or from Ontario or people from British Columbia about their work ethic, about the way they do things, about a farm, how hard they work. It, it's just that it's a, it's a culture for I believe that this is a province that cares deeply about the way they work and how hard they work. So I think being business doesn't mean it's only about the businessman or businesswoman. It's about the way in which we go about our day to day lives in the province of Alberta. Um, so, if you're like, I'm just more than just need to work at it. Yeah, work at it. And that's how I describe it. That's right. So, someone who's a plumber works for me, does a really good job, works hard. I mean, someone else's plumbing business is different. 
But they're all wrong part of the, I think, a, a province that is more than any other provinces. That's what I saw when I moved here. About the work ethic, about hard working, about being proud of your job, about being effective. Now, is that still the same way today? I don't, probably not the same as it was 20 years ago, but will it change? As far as free post-secondary education, um, you know, there's, it's, it has a lot of merit in different countries and around the world, countries, free post-secondary education. Um, I don't think we're graduating high school students yet to really start saying we're free public education in universities. We still have the lowest, I think, in high school graduation levels. Maybe we should spend more time and energy in that than we did in graduate school. And maybe we shouldn't pay $150,000 a year to work in a job that goes up to work in That's another story for another day. But I, I think that uh, education is a great equalizer, um, and we shouldn't prohibit anybody from having that. And that doesn't mean society should have to pay for it. What's wrong with them having more of the money and, and go and, and have to pay it back? I mean, I don't know if it's always the government has to pay for everything, but there should be an avenue under which someone could, could uh, get that education and then over a period of time find a procedure and a way in which to pay it back. So it could be uh, when they get a job, they pay it back only so much in a year. There's different ways to do that. Um, but I think at the same time, we're, we haven't done a regular job with K-12 yet. Let's get that better before we start Everybody having a university is not enough to graduate high school. Yes, James, you have a lot of For what it's worth, I think the nature of the work ethic is changing from working hard to working smart. I think that's the essence of the, the shift that's unfolding, and the younger generations in particular are really picking up on it. It picks up on, on your question about post secondary education. It's also a handy segue to the question I want to ask. Um, you know, sitting at lunch, not surprisingly, found myself caught up in the discussion about pipeline. It is soaking up so much oxygen in, in this province at the expense of a whole lot of, lot of other things that we probably should be paying at least as much attention to. And the pipeline discussion is really fundamentally about what we want the world to have. We want them to have more of what we are already massively invested in, which is oil and gas. So looking out at the world from your perspective and looking forward into the future 23, 50 years, what does the world need about work? And what do we need to be thinking about as a province, as the, as the citizens of Alberta? What do we need to be thinking about in terms of what we serve up for the world as opposed to just more oil and gas and primary products? Well, first of all, I have to agree with you this pipeline debate has become so all Thing. Just it, it swallows up everything and everything we're doing. And uh, I'm not sure, you know, if any pipeline, um, I'm not going to pass judgment one way or the other, but it seems we're spending an awful lot of time as a government on that, but we'll do that for the time being. Um, I think the future the future is in, in, in renewables. I mean, food, agri agri-food businesses, I think a great opportunity, technology. That's where the world is going. Um, so we need to kind of re rebalance the system. We're not eliminating the uh, energy industry for problems over the next 25, 30, or 40 years, but how do we rebalance it so it's less of a dependence on the energy industry and more dependence on agriculture business and, uh, and making sure we put it in place the infrastructure and the, and the necessities to allow that to grow. Um, and, you know, we talk about government government interfere with it, which I uh, don't disagree with. You know, there's all kinds of governments 
restriction on, on capital capital investment, which allowed them to write off their costs and, and, and you know, we would have paid taxes. So we could do the same thing for technology, we do the same thing for agricultural business. I think there's those are the that's those all renewable, those are not things that are going to disappear unless we find some new way to feed people, maybe we will give a bill instead of a uh, state, I don't know, but I think those are the future industries, agricultural business, agribusiness and, and the technology. More so technology, technology is going to lead to helping make the, the food business more efficient, make healthcare better, etc. So the more we can invest in it, and also it's um, not a big population-based business. You know, we're a small population, still so 4 million people, and if you have to have an industry to employ, you know, thousands of people, it makes it difficult if you don't have that, that kind of a population. I have a question regarding what you would do about the incredible waiting list for surgery if you were in power. Uh, my husband is waiting uh, for hip surgery and has waited for 10 months not going to be till October. Plus the painkillers that he's on are not covered by Alberta Health. I know two women who have gone to the Joint and Bone Clinic, which is a pre-assessment. They haven't even had to offer their orthopedic surgeons yet. So I understand the current government rations hips. And we don't get a lot done here. So maybe, uh, oh, I'd just like to know what, what you folks would do. On one hand, you're telling us that there's a huge deficit and uh, that would perhaps increase your deficit. But uh, stop. So surgery times and medication. Sure. So uh, surgery time. Yeah, that, that's surgery. First of all, province and whether it's this government, previous governments, they allocate so many dollars to so many things. But what is not been looked at is that the cost of that interim period. So your husband's been 10, 12 months. How many times he visited his doctor? How many times medications? So you look at that overall cost that's being incurred, and plus the potential danger of someone getting addicted to, to, to drugs. There's all kinds of other problems, lack of productivity. But not everybody's older who gets addicted to younger people, so lack of productivity. I think if we begin to look at doing it differently, making decisions on um, allocating money to get the surgeries done and see how that can move things forward, it's really an allocation issue. We're spending 22 and a half billion something like that healthcare, there's no question in my mind we can allocate it better and more effectively and, and do more surgeries. I'm not considering to argue about whether Alberta Health Services are too big. I think you should decentralize things so we would do start moving things back to the communities. So oh. that should become a region to itself for healthcare. No. I think you've got to change what we're doing. Do the same thing um, the same way you're going to get the same results. So I think changing it is really important but decentralizing it and moving it back to communities, um, looking at the ramification of not having the surgery versus having the surgery. And I would hope that people in Lethbridge wouldn't wait any longer than people from Calgary Edmonds, but I think they probably do. Yes, they do. Uh, which is terrible. Yes, um, they do. So I, I think that's why we need to balance the system. And we shouldn't say, well, you live in Lethbridge, you're going to get 10. Uh, you live in Edmonds, you're going to get 100, whatever the number is. So I, I would think that's something that would just make a change. More and it's not, it's, this isn't a, it's not an analogy. An inability to do it. We have a lot of money, it's just how we allocate it. I have another question, but you don't want to, do you? No. no. Keep the line going. 
Thanks for your talk today, Mary Shelley And uh, I want to challenge you a little bit about private seniors' care. Uh, I had a recent conversation with a nurse whose parents were in a care home. And as a nurse, she recognized the stress of having to care for so many patients uh, because of cutbacks uh, of staffing, because the bottom line is the profit. So if it's a private uh, health uh, senior citizen center, the goal is to make profit. And therefore, uh, often the uh, clients, the patients there suffer. Uh, and uh, how, how would you, uh, like I don't know how a non-profit organization that did a, a senior center would be different than a private, uh, but I'm, I'm not in favor of uh, private because I think it is detrimental to the clients who are there. So your question is, what do you think about senior housing? Okay. So, so what? So what would you? Monterey, she knows so, about it a lot. So what would you do? Like you're talking about well, private sure. uh, seniors. It's, it's, it's the oversight and standards put in place. I mean, the, the challenge is not, it's, it's the cost to build it, not the service delivery. The service delivery is a different issue than the cost to build it. Cost of building publicly is, is about six hundred thousand, and, and the grant is substantially less, about eighty-five thousand dollars for a private group. So, but then the operating is a different model, and operating is a direct result of what people pay. And so, maybe um, we need to find a more efficient, effective way to do it. But it doesn't change the fact that people need to get the service they require. And if a for-profit is not delivering the service that is expected that's set out by Alberta Health Services or by uh, the organization overseeing them, then there needs to be a better oversight process. It's, it's not the, the, the system, it's the oversight of the system that determines whether the services put or bad. And so I would argue that many people who are living in not-for-profit um, are dealing with the same issues. So we, maybe the, the cost of this thing is greater than the service they're getting. Perhaps, but yeah, I, I so, have more questions, but I guess. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have you back soon. <laughs> you know, I, I, I end with that, but I argue that they could do just as good. Thanks for being here, Mr. Gellman. My name is Brooke Cully, uh, and I want to thank you for your service so, over the years in different capacities. Uh, my question is around K 12 education. I'll lay it in your platform there and how strong I just want to know your feelings around around choice and around public education being the cornerstone of democracy and whether we should be funding private schools to the tune of the hour. And should we have one public school system instead of one public That's that's a good question. That's a that's uh, a big issue right now, public and separate school amounts. <coughs> I think there needs to be like a process where they begin to work together on busing and but the, the separate school have a way of doing, doing things. I think we need to respect that. And um, but there needs to be a much better level of cooperation where schools are built, where when they're built, that kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter, um, I see both the uh, public and the separate being a public system. So that's one. Um, and I've been chastised by the public school board. They think we should do it. The separate school board thinks we should do it. So um, I think we have too many other problems right now to get in a huge fight over amalgamation of the school boards. We have too many school boards, that's another question. 
Um, you have too many elbows there, absolute, so that's one. Two, um, funding public, public education is the number one priority in our in our in my mind. And there's there's and we have to diminish the support for public education in order to create a balance in the system that's not creating balance. And but the province has historically um, supported other institutions, not for not, um, private institutions uh, to a certain level, and I think that has to be looked at, but it has to be continued. And I think that the choice is also part of the, of the Board of Education. For example, at Edmonton, most schools are under the public system. There's a very few private schools. Well, Calgary, I'm using those two as examples. Well, Calgary has a lot more private schools because they have an option of choice. So I think it's up to the school board to offer the choice to make sure people stay under the public system. If you don't, don't offer that choice, then you create that opportunity for the private schools to be developed. And I hate to see my, my grandson be deprived of a very good education because of funding, funding separate schools or more, private institutions more than public. So we're just doing Hi, my name is Kimberly Lyle, and I think Ruth's third question because mine was actually going to be along the same lines, but I will change it. Um, <laughs> regarding healthcare and the number of systems in this province, you referred to AHS. Last I knew, AHS was the third largest employer in the country. I thought it was the first, but anyway. <laughs> okay, right? For a province that's less than 5 million people. We know the cost of maintaining the system is huge. We know based on what you told us about debt. It's going to be incredibly difficult to fix that. Um, and you referred to the UCP talking about cutting, which I don't know is completely accurate. I think we need to think about when you talk about allocating dollars, what are you getting in return for those dollars? When I look at healthcare, there are people working in the system that can tell you how to fix it. And they are incredibly frustrated because it cannot be heard. If you look at the justice system, if you, if you try to have a civil lawsuit in the province right now, Chances of you getting into court in any period of time are very, very small. Right? If you don't have $100,000 in the bank, you can't get a lawyer to take on your case because that's how much time it's going to take to get there. When you think about health and justice, these are the cornerstones of a healthy, successful society. And then you talk about, I'm going to use the term bureaucracy, but the resistance to allowing entrepreneurship and business to do what needs to be done to be more flexible. So I know these are wide ranging. To me, they speak to a common core element, and that is the systems are not working, and the people within them know how to fix them. So how how do you propose giving those people a voice so we can actually fix this and not spend our money in the wrong way and not take 20 years to do it? We do it now while we have the opportunity. Sure, well, those are great questions, and I'll, I'll go to the second one first. The uh, justice system. Um, the justice system is in terrible shape. If you want to sue somebody. I think it's more half a million dollars or a million dollars than a hundred thousand dollars. It's unbelievably expensive and it takes you years and years and years to get into court. Um, we need to find a better way to solve these um, problems that people have that they can't seem to get into the courts and, and get them straightened out. There's also not enough money being funded for you know, things like that. So um, there's, our justice system has lots of problems. Well, the healthcare system, I think, is even more problems. Um, and I have some familiarity with that. I think a big part of it is you begin to decentralize it and push the decision making back to the local level and um, then to evaluate what 
public health service, it sure should be moved to an administrative point of view. So I've said publicly a couple of times, as an example, we would take the EMS system and separate it from Alberta Health Services, make it an independent agency. Not a private agency, independent, publicly operated system, but away from, uh, away from uh, Alberta Health Services. Would it report to the board? Probably. But it would, would have a different kind of reporting mechanism. I don't exact numbers anymore, but when the cities had it, it was, this is several years, it was $150 million operating costs at Kenton for and in Calgary Rural Area. Now it's probably $850 million. So I think there's a lot of things that can be done in how we look at and how we change the system. Um, a lot of them aren't as complicated as people think they are. Um, it's a matter of accepting that the change is essential. Um, but and again, I want to point the people at Vernon Health Services, it's very bureaucratic. There's a lot of very passionate people there. And, and I know they get very frustrated and they care deeply, as you're saying, about how they can fix it. But it is a very bureaucratic system. You have 100, I, don't, I was there, it was 108,000 employees. And when I was minister, there was 6,000 people that weren't employed. And you know, the whole, we're all employed now. So if you want to be over charge, that 6,000 is plus many more. So, um, I think that everybody in the system would like to see it better, but everybody has to have ownership to it and realize that change is only going to come if we collectively work together to accept that change has to happen. Otherwise, we're, we can't continue to pay 22 plus billion dollars a year for health care and not get, we're not getting as good a results as they say from British Columbia, Ontario, or other provinces. So we need to change it. Um, but I, again, I don't think it's as complicated as people make it out. So, We'll see. We, we, we'll have to put the change in effect, which will, as I was minister, we, we said we had a, uh, a real health strategy, which is decentralized and pushing things down. We had to move, so. Thank you. But the heck, it's happening. No, we over time. I've got two more, but you got one. I have to speak to you. Thank you very much for coming. source of revenue. 
Um, is this carbon tax perfect? No, I don't need any car. I don't need any tax to hurt it. You know, I mean, every tax has its positives and negatives. I mean, but we all want senior salary paid for by government, or we want some kind of programs that are supported by government, etc. So therefore, we have to raise money. So that's not the carbon tax. That's how we would do it. Because if we say the federal government can approve a pipeline and have that authority, they also have the authority to approve a carbon tax. So let's control our own destiny. Um, and that's not that popular, but it's a reality. I think it's at least bigger than the usual. Um, the other question was to do with sales tax, right? Now, where the party is clear on the sales tax, we, we support the government needs to be efficient. And that we would like to have, when elected, we vote, that we take two years to go over where we're at in the province. And um, we think you can reduce some expenditures. But this is, there's no, there's no miracle out there that, uh, you know, the NDP is not, you know, this horrific government just spending money frivolously. I mean, there are certain foundational costs we have in the province. Do they spend yes, less yes. Um, but that's a matter of determining whether that's a priority or not. It's, to spend less might not be their priority, so you can't be critical of them. But the fact is, is that we could find ways to reduce some of the expenditures of government. But that doesn't change the fact that you still have a huge amount of money left. Then I think you go to Albertans and say, here are the options. You know, this is what we think our revenue is going to increase over the next five years or ten years. But this is what this is this is the lens we're in. Um, this is about as far as we've gone, and, and I would have an independent group and value what we've done. I would use, you know, a relatively conservative group that would be quite critical of what we've done as far as uh, um, re reducing the costs. And then, and then uh, have all burdens be input for the next six months, and then make it, and then there would be a referendum. I don't think you can impose any kind of um, tax to the extent that the sales tax on our works about them making the decision. And then they would have to decide. Um, and I, I think that's also part of legislation, but I think it's also uh, a very, um, it's only fair. But I think first you have to show that you can run a government efficiently. Right now, running 15 and a half billion short every year is a lot of money. That's nine from, less than nine from the, uh, yeah, the operating side and six and a half from capital. We have no money to pay for capital. So have to borrow that as well too. So to me, that's debt. Because you're not going to sell a school. It's not an asset, even though we, we classify the books as an asset. You're not going to sell a school. You can't sell a road. You can't sell a bridge. You can't sell a hospital. So what are you going to do? Those are, those are debts. Like your house, you put a mortgage on, you can sell it. Maybe you make some money on it. Nobody's buying a hospital. I'll give you that hospital for 20% off, and I'll take it. No, I'm going to give you that road. Unless they can put a on it. So, so I think you have to... I think you have to show Albertans, show Albertans that you can run things efficiently. Now, maybe there is no way of doing it. And Albertans then have to make the decision as to what kind of province they want to work on. And I think it's only fair. So we would not put it, we would not impose a sales tax, and that's how we would deal with the government. So to wrap up this, yeah. Mr. Mayor, Mayor Mandel, what would you like to say or give to everybody in the room today a thought to take home? Gosh, that's interesting. I would guess that uh, all of us have to um, care about this problem can be about the future because it's, for the most part, there are a few younger people in this room, but most of us, we're talking about our grandchildren and um, what kind of problems do we want them to do? 
We want it to be a place that has a great future, great opportunity, and how we can all work together to do that. I know it seems simple, but this isn't a complicated world. The input that you can give the citizens and the way we can listen to it, how we can build a better place for all of us. Whether it's better seniors housing, whether it's better education for our children, free education for our children. Um, but in the end, it's about what do we give to make this province continue to be great. And I think it's uh, their challenge they have, great challenge they have. And um, some of them are making, um, some of them are, are, are external to us, and we need to find ways to build this province to do a special place. So about what dream we can have of those things. And where would people go to get the best information oh. what your party is up to and sure. any updates? Sure, it's AlbertaParty.ca. Um, you look that up on the web. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on all these modern things. But, um, <laughs> that William's here to make sure that we can. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but anyway, thank you all for coming today, and I wish you all the best in the coming summer months and finally the warm, the beautiful day out there. Nice day in Southern Number. Take care. Thank you.